Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the VR1 Business Podcast, and I'm your host. How you doing, baby? How you doing? Come on down. Oh, man. Top of the morning, everyone. Today, we're going to have a brief meeting because I have a few business meetings, but I actually have to shoot across town to the other part of the world. There's a lot that I want to cover today. Um, We're going to be moving along super duper fast because time is of the essence. And I just want to thank you guys for stopping by. I'm actually waiting for a surprise guest to show up. I happen to have some type of wildlife inside of my truck. And when I turned on the air conditioning, there was some type of activity. So now I will sit here patiently waiting for this unexpected guest to make its appearance. Hmm. For today, I am enjoying this beautiful tall blonde rose, courtesy of Starbucks, home of the coffee, home of the brews, and home of the Braves. And um, just wanted to do kind of a recap of yesterday's mayhem, right? Yesterday was a roller coaster of a day in my life, both personal and in business. Um, Of course, in my other company, you know, owning a technology company (laughs) requires for me to have boots on the ground. So I'm always checking on my investments. I'm always checking on companies. I'm always attaining new offers. And um, long story short, there was so much that I wanted to do, so much I wanted to handle. Well, limitations due to the constraints of the day-to-day, right? Well... (laughs) Long story short, I was still able to get the job done. I did everything that I had to do, but the process was incredible. Um, First of all, I started the day with two cars, and let's just say one car winded up at the dealership. So what that did was it threw a wrench on the sequencing of the day. So I had to use one vehicle to do what I needed two vehicles to do. So there was a conflict of interest as far as my schedule and everything else, which is why today's show will be cut short because um, I'm going to have to venture out. And in that uh, in that uh, disbursement of time, I'm only allotted to do maybe one business meeting um, I will always try to squeeze in a second or a third, but, um, this one is important. This contract is worth probably anywhere from 40 to 60,000. So this is much needed capital to keep my company going, at least for the following few months. Um, you know, we're going through the summertime dip 
So everybody is eloping for their summertime getaways, right? So there's a lot of business opportunities for all of you entrepreneurs out there. If you're able to incorporate that insight, regardless of your business trade or your field, to understand that there's going to be a big gap opening during these summer months. So as you know, I am developing this worldwide tour. So cash flow is king. Right now, it's not the amount. It's not saying, okay, I need a cash flow of half a million or a million dollars. That would be great. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you're able to attain those goals, perfect. Um, of course, I understand it requires a lot of stability and, and, and excellent management. But the reality is this. Whatever you can have as cash flow is going to help you tremendously get through these moments and get through these times. Why? Because all the variables that come up on a day-to-day, on a weekly basis, even a monthly basis, you'll be able to ascertain. You'll be able to eliminate as they present themselves. So everything in life is kind of like a test, right? This is an ongoing learning situation. Um, how can I say this? A part of me is welcoming this new journey, this new phase of my life. For example, my business is expanding not from east to west, but from from north to south, basically. So right now I'm in a checkmate situation, right? I have one business that's all the way to the east. I have another business that's northeast. And then I have a few businesses in the south. So I can only physically be in one or two places, maybe three out of the entire day. But then there are unknown variables. For example, new business opportunities are all in between these markets. So I may plan to be westbound and headed to the south, but I may have a business meeting in the center of the city. So I will have to calculate that business meeting or that business trip on my return. Why? Because the meeting where I need to be in the morning is the most important one. It's the number one priority because for right now, it's offering the most money and the most potential. So let's discuss the differences. The, the business that is in the Northwest, it's a beautiful establishment. Um, I like the ownership. I like the management. There's a place that has a lot of potential, okay? The business that is more eastbound is more classic, traditional. It's more in need of being put up to date. For example, if that business had the flow that the business in the northeast has, it would be a successful business. Versus the business in the northeast is attempting to get to the level of the business that I have on the on the west. And really, there are a lot of opportunities heading more towards the south. Now, the southbound businesses are businesses that I want to develop. But at this time, logistics prohibits me from expanding on that part of the world. So when I look at the demographics... <laughs> 
of business, how many of us face this challenge? And what exactly is determining our definitive factors? Why are we making these decisions to either be engaged with this business versus the other? Is it ownership? Is it management? Is it the layout and construction of the business? Is it the actual demographics? For example, um, the business in the Northeast has a Walmart, has a Target, has a Chick-fil-A. That triple threat is serious business. You know, there's even a Taco Bell. There's a Tire Kingdom. To give you an example, these are all major franchises. But places like Starbucks, Panera Bread, Chick-fil-A, like those businesses pull in clientele because their products and their services are so efficient and so effective and are able to penetrate the market that any business that surrounds those businesses, if you can build a reputation for yourself, you can do very well. Because if you're surrounded by the dinosaurs of like a Walmart or a Target, even if you get the crumbs that fall on the sidelines, you're going to do exceptionally well. So <laughs> every business is not going to have the advantage of a gas station or a supermarket. But in my particular field of business, it is one of the best things that it can have. So if you have a choice to determine what your decision is going to be, of course, my inclination and my advice would be, you know what, focus on the businesses that not only have these anchor businesses, but have a direct uh, propensity to direct traffic towards your business. Meaning, it's no good if you have the Walmart behind you. It's no good if the Walmart or the Target is too far from you. The same with a Chick-fil-A. Why? Because those places are farms for potential marketing campaigns. That you could frequent those businesses, give out flyers and business cards, give the people in those businesses an incentive to promote your business organically. Um, now, if they're too inconvenient, meaning it's too hard to get to those places and then to your business, then that's a problem. So that could be a definitive factor if you're choosing between two different locations. So um, being in real estate and especially commercial real estate, when I think about a shopping center, I think about all of the anchoring businesses that sustain that shopping center. So when I think about certain businesses in the same way, I think about owning the building or owning the shopping center. Why? Because that is the true gain long term. This is monopoly in real life. So there's no point in me opening a business and the business is super successful. And I'm just siphoning off the profits. If my long term gain or aim is not to purchase the building. And the only reason why I would purchase the building is to leverage enough capital and credit to be able to buy the shopping center. A lot of people don't view business in that context, but that is quantum growth. That's how you go from opening a $50,000 business that leads to a $200,000 building that leads to a three or $4 million shopping center. And that's the key right there. All the hard work is done for you. You got your parking lot. You got all your electrical and wiring. You got all your carpentry. The building is already in place. What does that mean? 
That means that you have to just manage the property from that point. You use your marketing strategy, your uh, promotion skills. You can even repurpose some of this commercial real estate. But that same income that is being produced by the business is paying for the entire shopping center. So now you're not owning just a partial building in the shopping center. You're owning the whole thing. And guess what? The payment is almost the same. And you can even sell part of that real estate if you need to. Meaning, if you have 12 units in a shopping center, you can sell four. You can sell five. You can sell half of them. You can sell six. So, everything really depends. Obviously, you wouldn't want to sell the properties that are giving you rental income every single month, right? But maybe you have a corporation that is interested, just like you are, in owning a portion of that estate. So you're in a partnership, regardless of how you view the situation. What makes it all work is synchronicity. It's the synergy of all the businesses pushing forward to have the best shopping center. So that you can have Walmart and Target and Chick-fil-A and Panera Bread and Starbucks. This is like a triple, triple threat because for specialty foods, you have your Panera Bread and you have your Chick-fil-A, right? But then you have Starbucks, which is the equalizer. But then you have Walmart, then you have a Target. This is just to to give you a basis uh, or a basic, let's say baseline, right, of what is a potentiality, right? So... <laughs> These are all things that you can incorporate to secure the success of your business. At the same time, I've seen shopping centers be driven to the ground. And I'm talking before COVID-19. And um, it was so sad because me and my business partners didn't even have the capital to buy the the failing shopping center. And all I could think about was what would have been the best use or purpose of that shopping center because I literally saw it die. Like this was a shopping center that at one point was entertaining the idea of of having a a Best Buy or a Fry's Electronics or a Guitar Center. Just those businesses alone would have revived the entire shopping center. I think the rest of the property I would have turned into food eateries and I would have turned into like a battery park, like as far as like a corporate real estate, like office buildings, you know, with lounging areas and everything high end. I would have went out of my way to cut a deal for businesses in that trade while I built the rest of the shopping center. I think that a business, again, a battery park would have been the best investment because the nearest place was probably 20 to 40 miles away. So what could I do as an investor to basically see the future at the current time? And what could I do to lure in those type of business partners that would want to invest 
and not necessarily a big portion of the investment, but maybe five to ten percent. So if it was a five million dollar situation, you know, ten percent is half a mil, you know, five percent two hundred and fifty thousand. Well what if I found, you know, five percent of the population that wanted to invest to put up two hundred and fifty grand? You know, I think that business had probably between twenty and thirty um units. So, you know, we're talking, let's say, let me see, 30 units, 10% would be 3. Is that correct? So 30 units times 4. Let's say I would have had 10 to 15 um, businesses put up a quarter of a million dollars. Every 4 is a million. So that would have been... million dollars give and take maybe a little bit more maybe a little bit less but it's good because I would leave me that room for a variable now what could I do with that shopping center when I'm only investing five million dollars and I have a basic way of coming up with another 3.5 million it's like I'm getting the shopping center for 1.5 million and it rides and drives itself It's like that business would have been on autopilot. As a matter of fact, there was a business down the street that that whole shopping center was like $2.5 but it wasn't on the main street. So the value was like, you know, trash, right? And um, that place probably had 50 to 100 units, but the location was not that great. And certain investors bid upwards of, 13 to 19 million dollars for that place from a 2.5 million dollar valuation so can you imagine what i could have sold the other property that was double the price and you know could have netted anywhere from 10 to 15 million dollars in profit like if that one went for almost 20 million then i could have gotten easy 35 for the other one which would have been a fucking 16 times growth uh, investment. And that's an opportunity that I missed. That's an opportunity that looking back, I think I was so emotionally attached to that property that I just walked away from it. You know, it just hurt me so much to see the businesses failing. Like it was one after the other, after the other. And these were big box retailers. You know, all I had to do was repurpose the space. What better way to do that than to create office space? That's all the business needed. Plus, a lot of those units could have been divided. And that would have been the success. It's better for me to have divided some of those structures than to watch the business fail. Because then... You're in negative cash flow. Whatever is coming in from other businesses, you're just putting it right back into repairs and maintenance and remodeling this and remodeling that. So now something that could take three months is taking nine months because I don't have all the money up front. So now I got to do it in little chunks and pieces. And it's it's horrible to deal even with a investment firm or venture capital firm or even a landlord. And you're falling behind, you know, one week, two weeks, a month, two months, 
now you're risking foreclosure. You're risking losing the entire investment. You're risking losing the property. And all this wonderful vision that you have is starting to slip away. So this is another reason why out of all these businesses, this one particular location where I'm I'm venturing out to, I really need this contract, not for this business per se, but for the other businesses that it's going to open up. So the light bulb went off. Wait a minute. Okay. X amount, X amount of time, three, four months, 40 to 60,000. There's a variable divided by 3.9, 4%. Okay. There's potential here. <laughs> you know, even at 3.9%, we're looking at probably a solid 24,000. And that's a guaranteed 24,000. It could be 30, it could be 40, it could be 50, or even 60,000. But the fact that I can operate the business with those 24,000 for the next three, four months puts me in a position to make a profit, even if it's during the last 1.5 months out of a three or four month contract. If it's three months, that's half the time. That's not a bad investment, that's 25% variable. If it's six months, then it will still be profitable. So then that gives me a range of about 2.1 to 2.2 months in between. That if I wanted to part ways with the business, that would be my window of opportunity. So that's how I'm viewing the business. Now, it's much different when you see the property and you meet the people because What's going to determine the success in that particular investment is going to be the people running the business when I walk away from the business. That's before I even sell the business. Or, you know, maybe one of my business partners cashes me out, which is what I like to do most of the time. So, in order to have quantum growth, right, we must build the structure of the business and then have the structure of the business acquire other businesses and then in between those variables is where you make your profit now if i go from a fifty thousand dollar investment to a two hundred thousand dollar investment that turns into a five million dollar investment the growth from fifty thousand to five million is quantum that's one business that's one business move And the more organized and the better prepared that you are, and the more that you're on top of it, the higher the chances of you clearing those $5 million. Again, if you divide it by 3.9, let's just have a rough estimate. You know, instead of making $5 million, you profit $1.2 million. That's still not bad. That's still five, six, seven years of somebody working hard every single day, open or close, putting it all in. Or even more time not doing that because the more successful that your business is the more of that time that you're actually cutting down so when i look at an investment and i look at return on my investment i'm actually looking at it from a time perspective you know if i can cash out a business in 3.5 years instead of five i'm gaining a year and a half's worth of productivity That's a year and a half that I don't have to worry about 
anything because I'm in the profit margin. I'm in the butter of the biscuit. I'm in the butter of the of the red lobster, right? So these are just some insights that I want to share with you guys because as I'm heading to see this shopping center and this property that I'm interested in, these are the thoughts running through my mind. What are the logistics? How easy can I get to the place? How good are the people? How are the businesses there? What are the conditions that they're in? Every business, even if they want to do business with you, like let's say they want a partnership, they're not going to show you all the books unless they're ready to sell. So you can only go by the estimate that they give you, the quick basic financial breakdown, and the rest. You have to have the insight to really look through the situation. So it's like going to go see a Lamborghini, right? The brochure can only tell you so much. The automotive magazines can only, you know, write it or document it in a way that is periodical and that people will want to read a car magazine or a real estate magazine, for example. But you have to get in the kitchen and taste the chicken. You have to sit in a restaurant as a customer to see if that's a business that you will want to buy, to see if that's a franchise that you will want to be involved with. And only if it represents your core values and beliefs, only if you could consume that brand, should you be a part of it. Because, you know, the only exception I can make is like, okay, let's say owning a Red Lobster. I'm allergic to seafood, but I know Red Lobster is a pretty good franchise. And I would say 72% of the work is already done for me. The rest of my success is going to come from what I can add of value to that investment. Not just relying on the franchise. But that's completely different. Just because I don't eat seafood, I still would invest in that business because I know it's a good business model. Because I've seen it work time and time again in different parts of the world. And to different... Um, uh, <laughs> to different magnitudes, right? I was going to say extensities, but that's not the proper word. But to different um, points of, of, of magnitude. So it puts so much into perspective because at the end of the day, we're all human, right? So the same way that we're dealing with ourselves, with our subconscious, you know, everything that flows through our creative minds as entrepreneurs, we have to remember that we have to be able to connect with people. So when I go to this business meeting, my tentacles are out spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, way before the financial stuff. The financial stuff is easy. I could put together a business plan. I could walk into a bank and get a loan. I can go to an investment firm. I could go to a venture capital firm. I can go to an angel investor. I could go to a hard money lender. That's easy. You know, that's not a challenge, right? Now, dealing with the consumer on a day-to-day basis. Now, that's a completely different ballpark because these will eventually become my business partners. You see, there are people that you hire for your company that you hire to manage a business right, to do some type of administration, 
and they wind up investing in the business. They wind up becoming your business partner because they believe in the brand as such. There are people that will work for Domino's, and guess what happens after a few years? They own a Domino's franchise. There are people that work in Little Caesars, and what do you think they do after a few years? They own a Domino's or a Little Caesars. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a story. I have a friend of mine that wanted to do something cool for his kids. Now, granted, at their age, they would probably start with a job at McDonald's or Burger King. And they did. And you know what the father and the mother did for these kids? They, they were a group of girls. They bought them a Little Caesars and said, this is the booklet. These are the articles of incorporation. This is payroll. This is how you pay taxes. This is accounting software. Go for it. This franchise tells you step by step how to become successful. If you follow these guidelines, you will be successful. I think they made their first million in the first two years. Now, they have a really, really good location, so I give them that. Um, I don't know if particular, uh, if that particular franchise has that return in such a quick amount of time. But I personally shared a lot of insight with them as far as customer or client experience. Understanding the concept of fresh. You see, I can give you the formula to make the pizza. I can tell you how to sell it, when to sell it, etc. But fresh, that's a different concept. That means figuring out in your market with your givens, meaning your products and your service, how can you time it so that when a customer comes in, they understand that you're going to go a step above and beyond to make sure that their pizza is delivered fresher than all the other franchises. It's almost artistic. Because let me tell you something. My favorite franchise or my favorite chicken is Popeye's, right? Love Popeye's. If I was a Popeye's franchisee, I would never let you know. Give me one second. We all know how good Popeye's is. Granted, best chicken on the market. Hands down, all around. You know, you have other chickens that may shine a day or two, a week, a month, but not. Popeye's is consistently excellent chicken. Let me tell you something. As good as it is, when Popeye's is fresh out of the grill and you bite into it, it is like popcorn. I'm going to repeat this one more time. Popeye's, with all of its flavors, all of its Cajun Creole mixes and spices and 13 spices and marinated, you know, 36 hours, right? When it is fresh, when the oil is at the right temperature and the oil is clean, because that's another one too. <laughs> Any business that has fried foods, you know, they change the oil periodically. The more that the oil is changed, the better that it cooks. 
Matter of fact, I was creating a new chicken recipe a few days ago, and I burnt the oil. And the first batch of chicken came out good. The second batch came out better, but I burned it. So it kind of erased the the fact that, that that second batch was better, right? Why? Because I burned the oil. So what would I do in my franchise? If I know somebody made a mistake in the heating process and I burned the fucking oil, I'm replacing it. Because now, even when you cook again with the oil, when it's recently burned, I'm not saying long-term burn, I'm saying same day, it creates this gloom. Like this dark brew of a fucking cloud in your kitchen and you can smell it. Your customers can smell that. Is it really worth it? Fuck that shit. Drain the whole system. Let's put fresh oil. Let's get the temperatures right. When you taste Popeye's chicken and all of those key factors are in place, the chicken tastes like popcorn. I'm talking about the gristles. All the crispies, when you bite into it, it pops from the chicken like popcorn. That's fucking amazing. So, the same is true with uh, the example that I gave you with my friend and what him and his wife did for his daughters. If they give them, you know, a few hundred thousand or a few million dollars to start this franchise, they could easily spend that money. I know I can. In a car dealership alone... I will fucking blow a few million dollars. No problem. 30 minutes. But now this franchise <laughs> pays for itself within two years and turns a profit of $2 million. What lesson is that for our kids? If we could teach them that this is possible for all of them. So, long story short, this is the breakdown. It took probably one out of those two years for my business to incorporate these systems in place so that the owner's daughters, which are really the owners now at this point, to understand that. So the quality of the pizza in that particular Little Caesars, which is a franchise for my international audience the quality is almost restaurant i'm talking about napolitan style fucking italy style pizza now you wouldn't expect that from a pizza pie that used to be five dollars and 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 change now it's like seven dollars you know inflation and it sucks because papa john's you know for eight bucks for a dollar more you could get a papa john's pizza which is a much much higher quality pizza pie, right? But for an all-arounder, Little Caesars is my favorite. Why? Consistency. And the secret is the Munster cheese. Now, it has a different signature. Not too extreme, not too out of the world, or, or too out of the palate. But that difference in signature and the way that that cheese melts, if you get it right, you got something. You got a pizza pie that tastes 10 times better than what it costs. Now, in the same way, if I give you one of those pizza pies and it's room temperature, it's going to be a horrible experience. 
because even the signature of the sauce, once it reaches a certain temperature, it clumps up. And what used to taste sweet when it was hot and moist and, and moving, now tastes bitter. So now that mustard cheese gives you a kick in the palate. Okay, I'm a foodie, as you guys can tell. So this is the experience I want to give my clients. And not just one client during peak hours or before peak hours or after peak hours or when they open or when they close. I mean throughout the course of the entire workday for that business. That's the customer experience that I want to deliver. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. This is all the time that we have for today. I want to thank you guys for uh, for tuning in. Um, may you have a wonderful day today. May you conquer everything in your path. May everything that you touch turn into solid gold. Always remember to dream big because dreams come true. It happened to me, and I know for a fact it's going to happen to you. You guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, and don't worry. I'll let you guys know my reflection on this investment and I'll let you know if I was able to secure the deal, which remember, my motto is I only build successful businesses. Have a wonderful day, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this can help you in your journey as an entrepreneur because all we're doing every day is pursuing our dreams. That's all we're doing. Every day we're just laying the foundation little by little. So have a blessed day. And I can't wait to sit down with my new potential business partners. Also, I'm going to see this property on a Friday, a busy Friday, the busiest day out of the week. So I want to see how my potential business partners operate under pressure because that's going to reveal their core values and beliefs. And remember, when I endorse a brand, when I take over a business, if I cannot relate to the true vision, I don't waste my time and even try to involve myself with it. Thank you guys so, so very much. And once again, God bless. Thank you for tuning in to the Vendomar One Business Podcast. Please like, share, subscribe. Tell your grandma, tell your cousins, tell your busy, nosy neighbors, tell all the people that put you down about this crazy artist who also owns a technology company, who's a serial entrepreneur, and the guy's a billionaire. He literally owns Polygon and still does a podcast for everyday regular people like you and me. God bless.